This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to David Rodney Miller of New Scotland. He describes himself as an 85-year-old pacifist. He says, though, that he has been in a war of one kind or another for most of his life and cites his time in the Peace Corps, which he terms war on war, and in the war on racism. Miller grew up on a farm in rural Oklahoma with a father and three brothers who all served in the military. In his youth, a Christian minister, later fired by his church, spoke words that made Miller a pacifist. Miller started and ended his working life as a teacher and along the way learned that what children, like the rest of us, want is to be taken seriously. Our readers who are close readers might remember a very recent letter from Rod. In it, he described himself as an 85-year-old pacifist, which I just found intriguing. So I wanted to talk and hear about your life. Let's start at the beginning. Where where were you born? I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And tell us a little about your life growing up in Tulsa. Well, I... I lived in the in the country uh, on a, a, a small plot of land that actually uh, we used more land than we owned. Uh, my father was in the feed business, and uh, we had uh, uh, always uh, during my youth uh, cow and chickens and uh, the some of the other parts of, of being a, a, a farm uh, and uh, this was during the war and uh, uh, it, it was a, a, a exciting time for a, a, a young person uh, we lived near an air base and uh, so I was uh, uh, very conscious of, uh, of war uh, going on uh, I uh, had a, uh, I think, an exciting uh, atmosphere in which to grow up. Uh, The wartime and and post-war years uh, were a time of great uh, ferment, uh, lots and lots of things going on. Uh, I went to uh, public school in uh, in a small town uh, on the outskirts of Tulsa, very, very poor uh, area. Uh, I went to school regularly with uh, uh, children, uh, some sometimes without shoes, uh, extraordinarily poor. Uh, my family was was not poor. my uh, I had uh, four brothers uh, and uh, my uh, father and mother uh, lived uh, in, in this rural area. Uh, it was, uh, as I said, an exciting time uh, from from public school. Uh, I, I went to uh, the University of Oklahoma uh, and uh, uh, that was kind of the 
beginning of my uh, identification uh, as a pacifist, uh, because at that time, I mean, the identification was more uh, uh, clear, because at that time, uh, I had to uh, register uh, as a conscientious objector in the in the uh, draft system, uh, and uh, the University of Oklahoma was a land grant college, uh, which meant that amongst the uh, other requirements was that males who uh, enrolled in the university had to be enrolled in military science or ROTC. Uh, and I knew that I couldn't uh, enroll in ROTC and still claim conscientious objection. So I had to deal that with that. Uh, the university, uh, I, I told the university I was coming and I didn't expect to attend ROTC and uh, wanted to know what their policy with respect to conscientious objectors was. They said they didn't have any. Uh, I suggested that they were going to have to have one. And in fact, they did develop one. And I was the first uh, person uh, to uh, be admitted to the university uh, as a conscious subjector. This was in 1955. Uh, and that, of course, has changed. Uh, the land grant or the uh, ROTC business changed. But that's really kind of where where my uh, pacifism became clarified. I, I I'd just like to I'd like just to interrupt you to back up a little bit there because it's fascinating to me. Um, more on your childhood, as you say, an exciting time for a young person next to an airbase with this great ferment of activity, it would seem to me that would not be a fertile ground to grow a pacifist. You know, it was great time of patriotism and uh, uh, united war effort in the United States. So as you went off to college and you were identifying yourself as a conscientious objector, where just what was the root of that? Where did that come from within you in, in a time that wasn't really conducive to that? Well, that, that's uh, uh, the way you put it is rather different from uh, the way the uh, head of the draft board uh, put it. When, when I was called before the draft board to justify my claim for conscientious objection, uh, the first question of the chairman of the draft board was, uh, well, Mr. Miller, uh, you're not one of those uh, Quakers or one of those things uh, like that. Uh, let me just ask you, where'd you get all those silly ideas? That that was the uh, uh, beginning of, of the uh, go around. And uh, the uh, my, my father was in the army. Uh, my uh, eldest brother, uh, as, uh, during the war, in fact, uh, was uh, in the heat of fighting in, in Iwo Jima. So I, I in, in that sense, I, I'm a, a complete outcast. But I was influenced uh, 
uh, by uh, uh, primarily by a Christian minister who is the minister of the church which we belong to and which to which I was always uh, brought uh, on on Sundays uh, that was part of my upbringing and I guess I took that all seriously this this minister uh, in fact uh, uh, was very influential. His son and I were were, were friends, uh, and uh, uh, he subsequently was canned uh, from the church uh, that we attended uh, because, uh, in part, because of his pacifism. Uh, the other part of it was his uh, uh, tendency to to think of of uh, blacks as uh, uh, ordinary people. In other words, he was not racist. He was not racist, <laughs> right? And, so, and we thought uh, when, when the, the the church at the, when they fired him, uh, the, a substantial part of the group uh, church decided that that was wrong and that he should not be treated that way. And we all thought that well, this is wonderful. Uh, well, he subsequently was fired for the same reason uh, by the dissident half of the of the congregation, uh, I think for the same reasons. But in any case, that was, uh, uh, I'd have to say, my, my uh, the, the primary influence. Now, at that time, because I was very concerned uh, as, a, as a prospective uh, draftee, I was very concerned with the whole business and, and was uh, thoroughly acquainted with the uh, uh, organizations that uh, supported uh, conscientious pacifist organizations. Uh, the Fellowship of Reconciliation uh, was a, a very much a part of of my uh, uh, upbringing during that time. And how did your family feel about it? You know, especially with your elder brother uh, fighting in the midst of. Well, uh, my my. Uh, uh, Older brothers uh, were all in the military, and uh, we, they were never never criti- critical of me uh, uh, for this. Uh, we uh, actually we never argued about it. Uh, I'm I'm not sure why, uh, but uh, they obviously knew that, uh, that I was sincere in, in what I was saying and. Um, I guess they just decided to live with it. And so to pick back up on your narrative where you left us off, you then went to the university and they came up with a policy. Um, You didn't have to go through the military training. And how, how did your life play out after that? I know you mentioned to me you were in the first wave of volunteers in the Peace Corps. Yeah, well, after, uh, when I graduated uh, from the university, I, uh, my first job uh, was as an English teacher in the town of Chickasha, Oklahoma, which is a town about 30 miles from the, uh, from the university in, in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, it was uh, uh, from that position uh, that I uh, went uh, to the Peace Corps. Uh, it was uh, 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 an eight, uh, uh, that teaching experience 
was interesting and very instructive and uh, and, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, um, What did you, what, what grade did you teach? What level were you? This was high school. Okay. High school English. And so you must have majored in English at the university. Is that right? Uh, Actually, I majored in philosophy. I guess I had a a minor in, in English. Okay, so do you have uh, favorite authors or favorite books just before we hear about the Peace Corps, <laughs> things that you really thought were important to teach to these high school students? Well, uh, actually, I, I, taught, I taught from the uh, uh, textbook, uh, which, was, <laughs> which was required. Uh, I, I, was, I was threatened, in fact, because the, the, the school uh, found out about my uh, uh, what they conceived of as radicalism, and uh, almost made me promise that uh, I would not deviate from uh, the uh, school curriculum and 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 teach these kids uh, pacifism or uh, uh, racial equality or any of those things. Uh, but uh, it was. Uh, as I said, uh, uh, an interesting experience. Um, I, I, I don't feel great about the experience uh, because I was, uh, frankly, not a very good teacher. I, I, I was, I, I labored under uh, the uh, misapprehension that uh, that. I could make, I could do the things that that they were doing and and make it work. But they, in fact, uh, well, it, I, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not uh, expressing this very well. But uh, it uh, it no. was it was is a place where I learned a great deal about how not to teach. Okay, that's important too. I've been a teacher, and when you first start, there's there's a lot to learn. But it sounds like you were in such a restrictive environment where you couldn't teach the way you wanted that that would be an added burden. So, um, tell us about the Peace Corps. You left this small school teaching English and went to Thailand. Is that right? Well. Uh, I was invited uh, the, the way they did this, and as I said, this was the be- very beginning of the Peace Corps. Uh, I was uh, Peace Corps volunteer 801 by by my uh, identification card, uh, and uh, they invited me uh, to uh, to go to Thailand uh, to to be a, uh, an English teacher, and uh, I. I hadn't given any consideration to Thailand, I, uh, but uh, that sounded like a, a, a good proposition to me. I found out later if I had said, no, I don't want to do that, they very likely would have offered me some other job. But I, I was quite satisfied with that, although I knew absolutely nothing uh, about it. Uh, and uh, so uh, off uh, we went. To, uh, <laughs> what a what a time! Wasn't 1961 the year that the United States joined the Vietnam War? I mean, it must have had a a ripple effect well, to to <laughs> Thailand. Well, that 
Yeah, that's an interesting aspect to it as well. Uh, yeah, when I when I uh, was accepted and was they determined that I was to go to to uh, Thailand, uh, I had the problem that the draft board, uh, which had previously uh, uh, accepted me as a conscientious objector, uh, about uh, six months or so before that, had decided, as they put it that they had made a mistake uh, and uh, changed my draft status to 1A or available for draft. Well, I raised this with the Peace Corps. They raised it with the Selective Service, and the, the Selective Service had to go ahead. Uh, I was uh, uh, not like, I was in a place where I was not likely to be called, and in fact, uh, was not. Uh, it was, the Peace Corps was, uh, it was made very clear, was not uh, to be used by anybody in lieu of um, military service uh, ordinarily. In fact, one of my colleagues, uh, the week after he got out of the uh, Peace Corps uh, and returned to the United States, uh, was drafted. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, a terrible time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, it affected uh, our life, uh, our, our, our military activity in Vietnam, uh, adversely affected our lives as Peace Corps volunteers uh, because of, well, the feeling that uh, you couldn't expect uh, um, to have ordinary, uh, oh, like dating relationships uh, in in Thailand, because uh, for, uh, women uh, who uh, were seen with Westerners uh, were the the worst was assumed about them, uh, and this was because of the influence of of uh, the military, and mm. uh, it was you know that that didn't make things better. Yeah. So tell us what was your work there? What did you do in Thailand as I, a Peace Corps I, volunteer? Where was, where were you? I was I was in a, 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 the uh, a southern uh, seaport of Songkhla, uh, which was uh, quite near the Malayan Malayan border. It was Malaya at that time, not Malaysia. Uh, and I was just a, a, a teacher in the teacher training college uh, to, to uh, was to teach English as a second language. Well, it was, it was not a good experience. And I think uh, uh, almost certainly must opt uh, as shortly after I was involved in it. Uh, it was, it was, we, we knew uh, we Peace Corps volunteers had been trained in in modern language learning. We knew how how it worked. We that's how we learned Thai to the extent that we learned it, and I learned quite a lot. But we knew that it was to to do it. Uh, one had to approach it with a very intensive uh, uh, attitude. There had to be uh, in, in uh, long long hours and intense and. Uh, 
the the system that the, the education system that I was joining in, unfortunately, had been influenced uh, by uh, I think by American uh, uh, pedagogy, and they weren't ready to teach English for us to teach English to their students the way uh, their students taught Thai to us, that is, intensively in small classes. Uh, and uh, they they rather approached it in the way we approach all kinds of foreign language uh, ineffectively in the United States, still do, uh, with uh, large classes and, and hardly any opportunity to to speak the language. And that, of course, is how you learn to, to speak. Yeah. So did you have any positive experiences there? Any relationships you developed that mattered or any sense of learning of another culture that was important to you? Well, I, uh, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, in, uh, I've, I changed from uh, the, the college job uh, to what was called uh, a, a staff assistant position, in which I was asked to to evaluate the requests that we had been given, that the Peace Corps had been given by the Thai government uh, for volunteers. Uh, the, the government uh, was very happy to have uh, American volunteers uh, working in the government. Uh, we were, uh, uh, and this was, you know, for us, a problem. Uh, we were kind of, uh, uh, uh trophies, uh, having a volunteer working under your, uh, uh in your program, uh, was a, a feather in the hat for, uh, the Thai, uh, uh, superintendent or the Thai, uh, uh, mayor or or governor uh, to, to have such a person, and so they. I, one of our problem, one of the things that I was given to to do was to be sure that there was real work uh, for the volunteer that was requested by the governor of this, that, or the other uh, province, uh, or by the you know the superintendent of schools for the college. That we wanted to be sure that, that that there would be real work, and that was what my job was: was to find out what work there would be, what what uh, uh, what problems might exist, what the, how how great the need for uh, language uh, skills would be, all that sort of thing. I see. So you were kind of a gatekeeper, making sure that these volunteers went to a place where they were needed, and and could expect yes. what was going to unfold. Well, yeah. so I just, <laughs> our time is going so fast and there are so many things I wanted to cover. I know um, one thing you said in our conversation setting up this uh, podcast was that you've been around the world twice. So I don't know if we can do a quick trip on what that was. Um, <laughs> what what well, led you... How after your Peace Corps years, what? What? Well, the trip around 
the trip around the world sounds a great deal grander than it is. Actually, it was just uh, that that was happenstance in a way. Uh, I had to go around the world once to get there. But I, I, uh, my father was involved in a, a, a near fatal accident uh, halfway through my tour, and I was brought home because of uh, because of his condition. The Peace Corps brought me home uh, in in case he was dying. And uh, so that that how, created the second, how did second he, trip around the world. How did he actually? I've seen. Did he recover? I've did, seen very little of the world. Did your father recover? Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't recover. He, uh, I'm afraid it took rather a long time. But uh, but uh, I I came back and uh, he died long, sometime after I came back. Oh. Oh, sorry. Well, that's that's a terrible thing for anyone, but especially a young a young man that you were at the time. So, an, one thing that you wrote in in your letter to the editor was, um, you said you're an 85 year old pacifist. Oddly, I've been in war of one kind or another most of those years. The Peace Corps, which you describe parenthetically as war on war the war of poverty, and the war on racism, which you describe parenthetically, is the State Commission on Human Rights. So I wonder if you could just kind of go through that list and unpack some of that for us. Well, after, uh, after the, the Peace Corps, when I came back, I worked for the Peace Corps uh, as, a, as, a, as a recruiter for volunteers, uh, for, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 months or so, I suppose. Uh, and, uh, subsequent to that, uh, I, uh, was, uh, took a job as a, uh, uh, organizer for a, a labor union. Uh, my acquaintances knew of, of my interest uh, in in uh, uh, the labor movement, and uh, was uh, offered uh, a, a job. Uh, the this was the Retail Clerks International Association, AFL-CIO. Uh, they wanted, uh, I was told, to develop a uh, human rights uh, concern uh, and. Uh, uh, they wanted me to organize uh, the uh, that you know they were under pressure to uh, to become more decent uh, to uh, you know the labor movement had had race problems and uh, they n knew that I I was competent in this area so that's what I was hired to do well it turns out that. Uh, they're extraordinary. Were extraordinarily disappointing. Uh, they had. We had a. We were organizing a strike at a, uh, a warehouse there, and I came to discover that uh, the, the employees that warehouse in in Northern Virginia were almost all black. Uh, but we, the union, had no. Black representative, no black organizers such as myself. Uh, so they had to import organizers from Detroit. Well, this was a, a, a very bad sign, so far as I was concerned. 
and uh, in 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 fairly brief period of time, it became clear that this this union was not going to be satisfying to me, and in fact, uh, uh, it didn't last uh, more than about a year after I left it. Not because I left it, of course, but it was it was a, it was a very ineffective union. From that job, uh, I was uh, uh, looking for uh, something else, obviously, and the people that I uh, was working through uh, got a re- got a request from uh, the head of the Missouri Commission on Human Rights, the state agency that was set up to to deal with uh, uh, racial equality laws. And uh, uh, he was looking for uh, employees. The, the, the governor of Missouri had just uh, uh, gotten a, 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 what was at that time a big appropriation for the agency, which it had not had before. And so my, my uh, uh, boss, the man who hired me, uh, came to, to uh, Washington to interview. At the time, I was... Uh, driving a car in a bus boycott uh, in in D.C. And uh, so I had to interrupt that, which was probably not the worst thing in the world to, be, to interrupt in order to interview for a job like this. But in any case, I was hired and uh, moved uh, with my uh, wife, my new, new newlywed wife and her two children uh, to Missouri. In, that was in 1964, I guess, 65. And uh, I, I did that job uh, for, uh, what, six years, I guess, and uh, which was rather a long time in, in that business. But when, uh, when uh, things in, in 1968, uh, when uh, the wheels came off, uh, they came off particularly badly in Missouri, and uh, the governor uh, lost his heart for the uh, uh, Human Rights Commission, and the job that I was uh, doing in the Human Rights Commission was just eliminated. And what uh, was what was that job? What did your work consist of there? I was I was the director of. Uh, uh, Community relations. Uh, uh, I've forgotten the title, but I was I was the mouthpiece. I, I did I did publications and uh, public relations kind of. Stuff. I see. Uh, ed- education, research, and community and community development, something like that. But uh, I was uh, uh, I, I was involved in uh, all aspects of that. I did a lot of of, of uh, liaison with the uh, legislature. Uh, and uh, became quite well acquainted with Missouri government. Uh, became uh, subsequently became a close uh, friend with the governor, who was a gov- who was a, a Republican at the time. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, uh, it was became became quite aware of what was going on in, in, in state government. I was appointed uh, to uh, an important job, uh, uh, but and the, the, 
the uh, Republican Senate uh, decided that uh, uh, I was I was promoted as a <laughs> as the consumer representative on the Public Service Commission. Well, one I always wonder who who's not supposed to represent the public on the Public Service Commission. But in any case, I was the consumer. But the, the Republican legislature found that idea of a of consumer representative, I guess, uh, too alarming, and they turned me down. I subsequently was given uh, uh, an opportunity to, to come to New York uh, to uh, uh, do some work in, in, in state government here. Uh, and that's that's how I how I came to New York. And what what was your job in state government? I'm waiting for the part where you said we've been through the war on war, the war on poverty and the war on racism. What was what was your job in New York? Well, the, the job and uh, actually, uh, uh, I'm, I must confess, the, the job in New York, I think, was fundamentally a sinecure. Uh, I, I had, had become uh, acquainted with my, my, my counterpart uh, in the, uh, when I was working in the war on poverty, uh, I ran an organization in Missouri uh, called uh, Missouri Asso- uh, Migrant, Migrant Association. Missouri Associated Migrant Opportunities. It was a part of the uh, of the uh, war on poverty, and uh, it uh, I became acquainted with my counterpart in New York, who did the same thing, working with migrants and seasonal farm workers, uh, and was told that uh, I could could. Do that kind of work up here. Well, it turns out that the it, it really was a, was not much of a job. And uh, the in, in, in 1980, uh, I, I told people, you know, if if, if the jobs that Ronald Reagan eliminates, uh, are all the jobs that Ronald Reagan is eliminating uh, were as uh, uh, unimportant as mine was, uh, we'd be well off. And so that, uh, that job turned out to be uh, a, a waste of my time. Uh, as a consequence of, elim- of that job having been eliminated, uh, I decided to get into the teaching, back into the teaching business. Uh, my kids uh, at that time were not happy with school, and uh, so I thought maybe I can uh, see something to to improve that, and which is what I set out to do. And so, is this when you were teaching at Voorheesville? Were you, is you living in New Scotland then? Was I what? Is this when you were teaching at Voorheesville? You were living in yeah, New Scotland I, then? So tell us a little, yes, just I, to close us out, because our time has gone so fast, tell us just a little about... Um, now that you've returned to teaching as a person who's experienced all these different things, I'm guessing it was quite different than that very first teaching job that you had. Just tell us how, you know, what you liked about teaching in the, the 
the renaissance of your teaching career? Well, when I started back up, I knew that uh, it was going to have to be something quite different from what I had experienced, what we all have experienced over the years. And so I, I, uh, when I started, I told the children that. And uh, being clear about that uh, was essential. And I think an important part of, of my success as a teacher, uh, I, I passed myself off as a man who was looking to do something important for people, children, who he considered important. And uh, on that basis, uh, I said, you know, uh, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I will uh, accept work in any area uh, that I can be competent in. Uh, but what I mostly want to do is, is, is teach children. So and that's what I did. Uh, I taught in uh, virtually every subject matter area and uh, was well received because the kids knew that I could be I could be counted on uh, to assist them in any way that I could. As I, uh, I told kids regularly, uh, particularly children I didn't hadn't met. As a sub, you know, you're moving around outside outside of Boresville. This was after I after I uh, left Boresville. I went and taught in a, a huge system in Nebraska, but I would meet classes of kids, and I would told them uh, that I was happy to be there. And that uh, I would, I knew that they they had not met me, and I had not met them. But I knew something important about them, and that was that they wanted to be taken seriously. And so, my offer always was, "I'll help you be serious about anything you want to be serious about today." And kids really delight in that notion that they can be taken seriously at whatever level. And uh, let me tell you, that works. I bet. I think that's, that's kind of a key, not just for children, but for all humanity. We each of us want to be taken seriously. Well, thank you so much for sharing this fascinating life. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts you want to leave our listeners with. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I was quite disjointed, I feel. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the uh, message that I was trying to convey in the, in the letter to the editor uh, is uh, taken seriously. Uh, it's the most, the most acute problem that we're facing today, I think. I say most acute. It's, it's, I mean, climate is, is, is a larger problem 
but it's less acute. This is these are people who are dying by the hundred every day, uh, and uh, uh, that needs to be dealt with immediately. Well, I will close out with a sentence from that letter. Along the way, you write, I learned this. You cannot win a war. War is like fire. You can prevent a fire or you can put it out, but you can't win a fire because fire is destruction. <laughs> 